Hi, everyone. We hope this podcast is finding you well, safe, and healthy. Before we play the episode, we thought it was important to address what is going on in the world. It's hard having a podcast platform and to ignore what is happening. This is not a show where you would tune in to find a deeper meaning or answer to what is going on in the world. We basically shoot the shit and watch movies. Regardless, it was a struggle deciding when to release new content, considering there are more important voices that need to be heard right now. We have a lot of fun creating this show for you to listen, but a lot of what is going on in the world is not fun. 2020 has been a very strange and frustrating year to say the least, and it's only June. I would love to recommend everyone to share their voice, donate if you can, sign petitions, reach out to your local government, register, and don't forget to vote. It's time for us to change. Black lives do matter. Like I said, we have been struggling deciding when to post new content on here, and we decided to start posting again. Just in case you feel that need to take a two-hour break from everything and just have a few laughs. If you're not ready, that is totally fine. Feel free to bookmark this and listen to it uh, whenever you're ready. Listen at your own pace. This episode was previously recorded early on in May. Um, a lot has changed in the world since then, um, but this was back in May when we had a lot of fun talking about the Will Smith blockbuster, I Am Legend. Thank you all for listening. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy, and enjoy the show. Are we rolling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's sound? How's sound? Speed! All right, guys. All right, one take. All right, mark it. All right, action! Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the Film and You Win Show. I like movies, big, big movies, big movies. It's floating pictures, it's so great. Well, hey everyone, how's it going? Uh, this is the Filming You In podcast, uh, coming to you live again from our quarantine. But it's probably not live for you because, you know, it's not. It's not. So, uh, whenever you're listening to this, uh, whenever you're listening to this, I uh, hope this finds you well. Uh, I'm Max. I'm here with Juliet. Hello. I'm here with Dio. We're here with what Dio. Up? Good to have you back. You sound great. Um, <laughs> good to have you back. My mic check. Um, and then we're also joined with um, our fellow quarantine uh, member, my sister, Miriam. Uh, Hello. Uh, so before we get into whatever we're going to talk about, uh, something did just go down. <laughs> uh, that's why we all have the giggles. Um, we called. Whoa, 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 whoa. I had the giggles before we got. <laughs> before we so there was some pre giggles, uh, post giggles, uh, during giggles. Uh, there's been some giggles. So anyways, uh, to ex- further explain for people that are like, wait, what's going on? We call up Dio. We get all set up, did some general introduction because Dio, you have never met Miriam before, correct? I have, ne- I, we, I, I have never met. Uh, I know exactly two things about her. Uh, she's your sister. And the second thing. And, and the second thing you're about to say. Uh, we're about to record, and Miriam takes a drink from a Coca-Cola, and there's a, 
a like a bee, a yellow jacket in the can, and it stung her in the mouth. Um, so we were recording when that happened. Uh, so I think we might as well just do a little playback to just make sure everyone else is in on this because it was a pretty dramatic moment. First off, before we play it, Miriam, are you okay? I'm doing all right. Um, Literally the first time you asked. Hang on. He was listening the whole time, so I believe him. I took Miriam into the bathroom and I pulled that stinger, well, most of it, out of her mouth. I did not get the last part of the stinger. Yeah, and not once did you ask her, hey, are you all right? Well, listen, we're adults. I figured she'd be like, I'm not all right. It hurts a lot. Yes, but uh, I'm still forcing her to record because, you know. Show must go show on. Must go on. <laughs> um, Miriam, do you want to tell everyone listening right now, like what the situation is right now? <laughs> well, um, for sound purposes, I have a washcloth with an ice cube, and I keep putting it on my lip, but I just dropped it again. <laughs> Jesus! So you have to get a new cube. I'll be okay <laughs> until it starts to hurt again. Um, I'm so glad you signed that waiver with us that the Film and UN show is not responsible one bit for uh, any injuries suffered while doing said show. Um, we had to do that because Dio gets kind of crazy when he's locked up during quarantine. So, yes. um, should we go ahead and just play back um, the, the this this incident? Sure. So, you know, just everyone else knows what we're talking about. <laughs> Sure. It's pretty dramatic. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. <laughs> are you are you stuck in quarantine with them? Yes. <laughs> oh god. This is come on, don't act like this. You <laughs> love to, you your love dream. to trade positions with her right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can have my cats. <laughs> this house is the safest place in Austin. Oh, they all uh, listen to our podcast. Huh? I just got stung by a bee. Nice. What? Get it out of here. Well, uh, hang I'm on, a... Dio. We have I'm a bee in our house. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, hang on. Can you take off of my hands? Yeah. Well, Max really shouldn't be touching a bee. Are you still there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there was a bee in her drink that she was drinking. What? So bizarre. And it flew out. How did that happen? I have no idea. She might, maybe she went outside with it. That's literally the worst thing. That's literally the worst thing. (laughs) Right? It's insane. So he's trying to get the stinger out right now. Oh. Oh, yeah. I hate every sentence of this. Right? Ugh, this is... That is... That is uh, gruesome. Ugh, brutal. Ugh, I have no idea what's going on in there. (laughs) (laughs) I think that my first reaction uh, was, get it out of here. So, Miriam, clearly you got stung in the mouth. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Listen. What a tactful way to say that. <laughs> Clearly, you were stung in the mouth. Are you ever going to leave the house with a Coke can again? Absolutely not. So do you want to explain to everyone listening um, how you think this happened? <laughs> you left the house for, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> How did so, it happen? Describe in, <laughs> me, in mechanical detail. Let me set the scene. <laughs> so we're in quarantine, and I'm a very outdoorsy person. Uh, but today was one of those days I just played video games all day, and we were going to record at 5 p.m. So I thought, I need to get outside. It's 4.30. I'll go with a nice can of Coke. I sat outside for 15 minutes came back in to get ready to record took a drink and fucking got stung what would you say your first mistake was was it the video game that you chose to play or was it going outside or was it drinking the coke what which was your first mistake well the video game in question was stardew valley i have no regrets there Uh (laughs) excellent game excellent game (laughs) Um, I guess leaving the house. Never yeah. <laughs> leave the house. Um, yeah, this is a definite reminder that we should just better, better, safe, safer at home. Yeah, uh, better stay, stay at home. Don't go in your backyard. And now home. there is the coronavirus and yellow jackets that will go in your Coca Cola. So, <laughs> Dio, how has it been? Uh, we checked in with you last week uh, when we did Shaun of the Dead. How have you been passing the time? Uh, during this quarantine, uh, how how are the cats? The cats they they still persist. <laughs> um, they don't have COVID yet, which is good. Um, I don't let them outside, so you know they're corn kitties. Um, <laughs> and based on Miriam's story, no one should go outside. Right? Yeah, no one should go outside at all. I when you were like, "How have you been passing the time?" and then you and I realized you said. We recorded Shaun of the Dead last week, and I was like, that was a week ago? That seemed like yesterday and an eternity ago. (laughs) I don't know what time means uh, anymore. Like, hours. Like, I feel like everybody during this quarantine is having that same, like, stoner college realization of being like, whoa, man, time is a man-made construct, bro. (laughs) Like, everybody is feeling that and we're all like oh yeah yeah nothing means anything nothing matters i'm going crazy (laughs) that's the short answer i'm going legitimately insane um yeah and this is not a political podcast but i think the world is going a little crazy on a lot of different levels we Mm. have the protesters that said no i need to get a haircut um we have the other people that say no stay at home and then we have miriam who's getting stabbed in the mouth by a yellow yeah, jacket at home. So, at home so no one's safe um and uh an interesting transition as well uh we did watch a movie and that's why we're here to talk about um uh just in case people are like why did i tune into this i am legend podcast we will talk about that will smith flick in a little bit um but yeah just to transition a little bit, we did watch I Am Legend, and we will uh, discuss that movie they in a will. second. Terrible transition. It, 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 <laughs> Just to transition. transition. We will talk about it. The best transitions are when we tell you it's a transition. Um, so let's transition into talking about the movie. <laughs> he, he has been... 
in his solitude for three years in this movie. It's interesting to watch what people are, how they're handling 30 days. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a very real moment in this movie where he, when he meets the two people and is like just powerfully awkward while I was watching that scene while he's like, he's like, I like Shrek. I was like, <laughs> That's me right now talking to all of my friends who are quarantining like you guys are. Like I am by my house being like just like just just ranting at the walls like and my cats. Um, and, do you have a lab and, in your basement? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm friends? also doing weird experiments on vampires. But a, I think there was a fun parallel one when I haven't watched this movie in a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's been a really long rewatch, but we're looking at three years of solitude, and mm-hmm. everyone's just uh, kind of lost their minds a little bit on thirty days. Um, <laughs> so it's you know, it's relevant. It tracks. Um, Miriam, mm-hmm. this is your very first time seeing I Am Legend. Correct. Why? Why have you avoided this masterpiece <laughs> for so long? Well, when it first came out, I did want to read the book first, and then I just never read the book. So I never watched the movie. <laughs> it's fair enough. She's uh, a reader. We should make that clear. <laughs> well, this test if we're all readers. Has anyone read this book? Nope. I have read this book. Oh, oh. good. So that yeah. 25%, 25% of people have read this book. So Well, I'm, I'm going to warn you guys, too. Like, I'm coming today. I'm coming researched, oh. like very well researched. You know, I I not only read the book, I read the book back in the day, and then you were like, "Oh, we're gonna do I Am Legend." And I'm like, "Oh, I remember liking that book." So I got the audio book and listened to it yesterday. Whoa. Oh wow! And then and then I, I'm sure we're gonna talk about this, but I've seen the other adaptations of this book. Oh, uh, we're going to talk about it. We got a bunch to talk about. Wow. I as well researched, but not listening to a whole audiobook researched. Yeah. I, I, I watched the movie and took this some notes. Just, so Yeah. This is just my plan to slowly take over this podcast by being more researched than you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a vote every four years. Who should host this show? <laughs> Dio's like, past the three years, I have definitely listened to more audiobooks than Max. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In that I've listened to one. Dio is the progressive candidate we need for filming you in. Right, I'm Max, the Elizabeth Warren. We need to drain the swamp of Max controlling this show. Drain the swamp to the Max. That's my platform. Drain the swamp to the Max. <laughs> that Dio Sanders, he's just crazy with his ideals. I I legitimately love love the book. I do. I I I, I listened to it again and it held up. I'm I'm looking forward to talking all things I Am Legend. This was actually kind of a surprising, entertaining rewatch. Uh, but stressful at times. Uh, stressful at times. I think this movie is definitely one where everyone left the theater like, well, honestly, that was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> kind of reaction. Uh, but we do have a really weird third act that I'm sure we're going to dive into. But for before we get into any of that, it's time to just film focus. So we should just break into that. And so we should get focused. It's time to focus. There's going to be spoilers. If no one's watched I Am Legend, you're quarantined right now. Just watch it. Yeah. Um, it was on Prime. There you go. Uh, Amazon great. Prime is not a sponsor of this show, but it's, uh, it it's, 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 it's it could be. Anyways, it's time to film 
focus. Hey, hey, hocus pocus, it's the film focus. <laughs> Very focused. I am Every fo time I'm not prepared for that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, ah! <laughs> okay, cool. It's a little buildup for it. Uh, then it just comes in at you at like peaking just, volume. It, it makes you focus. <laughs> All right. So we watched a movie called I Am Legend. It's a 2007 film. Uh, so it is about uh, 13 years old, I guess. Uh, Good math. It'll be 13 years old this summer. Uh, it's starring uh, Willow Smith's dad. <laughs> um, maybe you've heard of him. And Will Willow Smith. Right? It is Willow Smith Willow is in this movie. Yeah, Willow Smith it's, is Willow in this Smith movie. Is um the star of the movie for sure. Uh two scenes and just mm -hmm. takes your breath away. She whips your hair back and uh, forth. Uh but Will Smith is the star. Uh Jaden Smith is not in this movie. No. Uh that's enough about the Smiths. So <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't play one of the dogs that kill the other dog. Jaden oh, wait, Smith can you hear me? was not born at the time this movie was filmed. <laughs> Oh, so <laughs> I did. I'm not as well researched as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh. just guessing. Maybe he was. Well, he's older he's than older 13. Than 13. I don't know. <laughs> he seems like he would have been a baby. So fake news. He was emotionally not old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am legend. It grossed worldwide five hundred and eighty-five million dollars during its uh, theatrical run. It was wow. made on a hundred fifty million dollar budget, so uh, complete box office success. Yeah, uh, which are most Will Smith movies. Wait, what was the budget? What'd you say? One hundred fifty million estimated. One hundred fifty million. A lot of CG. Um, a lot of that budget went into closing down areas of New York <laughs> on uh, weekends and evenings uh, to mm -hmm. close down certain streets. A lot of Will Smith driving around with like the Ford oh, Mustang. Yeah. Um, basically had to be done in like just block by block each oh. kind of different random mm -hmm. evening and weekend. Um, it was like somewhere from a, over the course of six months shooting those sequences of him just driving around uh, those areas of New York. Um, and obviously there's a lot of CG to show uh, how it's three years after a virus. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of like CG to show how much like New York has evolved uh, these areas of downtown uh, with uh, grass and like weeds growing. There's now lions and deer um <laughs> which i'm guessing they escaped from the zoo because why would they be there yeah exactly like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah the movie stars will smith uh he's a one-man show for the most part and of course we'll talk in depth about abby who plays samantha the german shepherd Aww. his companion Aww. basically will smith carries this whole film yeah and it's his castaway so I want yeah, to his castaway. <laughs> it kind of is though, because you need yeah. to have an actor because Tom Hanks can handle being you are the film. You are you're the um, only it's I was kind gonna, of crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say when I was watching this movie, uh I kept thinking, like, what a smart choice to make this movie on Will mm -hmm. Smith and his agent's part, right? Like, cause it is kind of the best showcase of Will Smith. It's an action movie where he is for like 70% of the movie, the only character and he has to play like normal guy and crazy guy and happy guy. And he's like, you know, it's a tremendous range he has to go through. 
Um, and and at the time in 2007, like Will Smith wasn't. I would say he was probably not peak Will Smith yet. Well, okay, so that's kind of up for debate. Um, because I was thinking about that with that. Um, what is Will Smith's peak? Um, Fresh Prince. He's still rising, baby. He's still going to the top. (laughs) Juliet says Fresh Prince. Um, That is, I love you, but that's the definition of wrong. (laughs) Um, um, But yeah, so Will Smith, basically, I'm kind of going back from Independence Day, where Will Smith is not the lead of the movie, but definitely part of the ensemble. And I felt like Independence Day was kind of the birth of uh, blockbuster Will Smith. Yeah, 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 that but, was his first foray, right? Yeah, but like, you go back to, like... Then Indi- Men in Black, he was the lead. Yeah, definitely. But then, like, let's look at, like, kind of a timeline here. So, 96 is Independence Day, right? But then we mm-hmm. go into Men in Black is 97. And then we go into, like, Enemy of the State. We go into, like, Will Smith making music videos and albums and stuff. And then, <laughs> then making music, like, Men in Black, Men in Black 2, like, for his movies. And then we go into... Uh, Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2 is like 2003. Uh, I mean, Bad Boys 2 is arguably pink, p- peak Will yeah. Smith. Like, but but also, wait, Will Smith started as a rapper. Yeah, so like, yeah. from West I mean, Philadelphia, well, born and raised. Yeah, as, as, well, as a rapper, but I would argue like when the album comes out with, um, I don't feel like, you know, with him being a rapper during the like Fresh Prince times, I don't think that's what people really look back at. I feel it's like really Fresh Prince. And then as far as the blockbuster Will Smith that we know, it's really just the Independence Day. I feel like yeah. really kickstarted Black everything. Independence Day. Wait, 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 wait. I have a question for everybody. Name a Will Smith song. Parents just don't understand. Welcome to Miami. Men in Black. Right. Wait, was that the uh, question? I, I, I was going to say bef- that didn't have anything to do with his movies and didn't come out after Independence Day. Parents and I guess just parents don't just don't understand is the one, right? I mean, the, that's like, it. The one that blew him up. But, but I mean, because it was uh, the Fresh Prince and, and, Jazzy, and Jeff. Jazzy Jeff. Jazzy Jeff, who um, went, also went on to an illustrious film career uh, working with Scorsese, right? Did that not? That, that didn't happen? That, that didn't happen. happen. I came oh, heavily okay. researched um, with Will Smith. Ooh, this quarantine career. is affecting me, boys <laughs> so, <laughs> and girls. Jesus. So, yeah, I know about, like, you know, rapper Will Smith, but I guess I was pointing out with, like, the blockbuster, like, Will Smith is the A-lister. Um, you know, I guess it's it's – there's not a clear answer where his peak really is hit because we do have, you know, from – you know, with the movies that we listed since Independence Day, but then we kind of get into, like, 2004, we get into – like the iRobots, and then like Hitch. And then right around, you know, 2006, he tries The Pursuit of Happiness, which I believe was with Jaden Smith. Okay, so he was born. So he was born. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Did you not talk about Hitch? Hitch came out a year before I Am Legend. Um, how how could you not talk about? Yeah, Hitch? but then but, why know, aren't we doing Hitch? But I would argue that I Am Legend was his peak, in my opinion. Even though he still fills mm. the seats, but if I'm looking at movies that after I Am Legend, I have 2008 Hancock, Men in Black Three 2012, and then <laughs> After Earth by M Night Shyamalan 2013, and then we have Focus, oh. which is actually a decent movie. Focus, but 2015 and then we have the concussion movie that no one watched but he was nominated i believe um yeah. Yeah. suicide squad in 2016 where he plays deadshot oh right and I, then we have that's definitely his peak and then we kind of have um 
I'm kind of skipping ahead, but then Aladdin 2019. That's his peak. Uh, Gemini Man <laughs> in 2019. And then 2020, Bad Boys for Life. And he has, like, Bad Boys 4 was announced. And I guess a sequel to Bright is uh, coming out. But I'm Oh, not... really? A sequel mm-hmm. to Bright is yeah. coming out? It says yeah. Bright 2. <laughs> Jesus. Is he funding it himself? <laughs> that movie is abysmal. Yeah, uh, Bright also, I guess, came out in 2017. But honestly, give, saying that list, though, um, the first Bright. I don't know what Bright is. It was a, a Netflix show where he was, his his partner was like an ogre. I don't know. It was it's, weird. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Um, it, it was a or- Netflix film. It was a feature film. It was Bright where it's like this fairy tale noir cop drama where like they live with uh, amongst like uh, amongst like fairy tale creatures, and his like cop partners an orc uh, or an ogre or something. That sounds like that. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it oh, was. Oh, it, doesn't Miriam. it sound cool? It sounds really <laughs> it's cool. It's not. It's so bad. <laughs> oh no! Now that I kind of listed out these movies, where do you guys land on? I kind of feel like I Am Legend might be sort of the peak of Will Smith is pumping out a movie every single year. Um, he's still popular, but there's definitely, I am legend. I felt like we kind of passed that. I mean, what do we have? We, you know, I mean, I mean, Wild after Wild hearing West that list, out? I have to, Wild Wild West that. is like 97, 98. Fresh <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Not Wild Wild West. <laughs> when I roll into my Wild Wild West. <laughs> Juliet, what do you think though? Like what, what is like for you, Will Smith's peak? Well, it, it's kind of peak. Peak implies that it went downhill from there. Right? Uh, well, I don't think it like has to go downhill, but I mean, it's like uh, let's say as far as our peak is like high to popularity, you know. Hmm. I mean, I would say Men in Black is probably high to popularity because he just came off of Independence Day, and then that got the the first Men in Black. Yes, because he came off of Independence Day, had Men in Black, it instantly became a Universal Studios ride. Um. Games, video games were created, uh, and then boom, the sequel started happening. So that's, I think that was his peak. So you're saying Will Smith peaked in '97? <laughs> just a constant downhill slope. It's just for been him downhill since. from there, and he hit bottom with he needs a, Aladdin. He needs a Travolta <laughs> Pulp Fiction like renaissance here. Uh, I mean, he's been nominated for Oscars. Listen, I'll say Hitch <laughs> if you want me to say Hitch. I <laughs> I did, and thank you. Hitch is a very problematic Just, movie. We'll edit it in where I go, um, Hitch. Miriam, do you have anything to weigh in with Will Smith? And I guess I thought Pursuit of Happiness was after I Am Legend, because I was going to say that might have been, I don't know if it would be peak, but it was definitely a transition point. I changed my answer. Ali was probably his peak because he got the oh. Oscar nomination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Max, you didn't even mention that. that. <laughs> oh, well, Hitch. hang on. I Yeah, I nominated Hitch. He was nominated for Hitch. So that's all that matters, right? <laughs> Get out of here. Nominated for what, though? <laughs> uh, I'm looking it up on his... Hang on. I'm looking this up on his IMDb that I did not have Ali on the list. Um, maybe Ollie. it was just all a dream. Ali. Ollie. Ollie. Doing a sick Ollie. <laughs> no, Ollie. Ollie was his peak. No. Yeah, okay, I found it. That came out in 2001. So that came out in um, 2001. It came out six years before I Am Legend. Anyways, um, Will Smith, though, 
he has been a lead man in a lot of films and I am legend. I think in my opinion was kind of the ultimate, I mean, I, well, I guess I should ask you, do you, do you have any um, thoughts to weigh in on the topic of just Will Smith in movies? I will say I, in watching this movie, I was charmed by his performance at, at moments. I thought at other moments it was a little schlocky, but, I, but in a good way. Uh, and in, uh, but for me, like, uh, Will Smith is always, uh, best paired with Martin Lawrence, uh, <laughs> as a couple of buddy cops and bad boys. They're a couple of bad boys. It's the best, best movie. By saying, are you saying bad boys or bad boys too? Well, bad say? boys too, I think is the political answer, uh, after, a, a movie called a hot fuzz, an Edgar Wright film, uh, that I'm, I'm Kevin Baconing our two podcasts, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'd say ba- bad boys, bad boys too, bad boys for life. It seems like Juliet and Dio are on like the early 2000s and myself and Miriam are more with like kind of the later um, 2000s. It's still 2000s. Well, like the later ones, like we're in more of the 2006, 2007, you know, so I think we're all kind of agreeing that like this was Will Smith time. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. you can't get away from Will Smith, and I Am Legend is just an example of I can do this whole movie by myself. Before we talk about the movie the, itself, uh, the reason bringing up Will Smith is I did some research um, mm. on the kind of there's a crazy path that uh, this film has been on to being made what it was in 2007. Uh, this is obviously based off of a book that Dio read, read and, listened, and to. listened to before doing this podcast. Uh, That's Dio, right. Um, research flex. Anyway, what? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Dio, I'll give you a moment to talk about, uh, you know, the book itself. But Warner Brothers finally got the rights um, to this book in the 1970s. So this finally. Whole... <laughs> yeah, it was a long fight. You know, they've been... <laughs> Both Warner Brothers <laughs> fought the the Lion and MGM for it. Uh... <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, I'll take that uh, L on, on that statement. Um, they finally in 1970s. <laughs> Might be. Uh, anyways, the Warner Brothers have have owned the rights to this book since the 1970s. Better. Uh, we will use that in the edit. Uh, <laughs> So I sound no, smart. Don't edit that out. Don't. <laughs> the first uh, adaptation on the story was a movie called The Omega Man in 1971, and it starred Charlton Heston. Um, uh, no, no, that's not the first one. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> no, 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 because you're gonna say Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price in 1964. Yeah, that's correct. But War- Rich- I'm talking about Warner Brothers, though. Oh. So, Oh, I see. Look some... at you, like, dancing around <laughs> with your facts. All Research right. if, we were, if we were doing an arm wrestling flex right now, I just broke your arm uh, Sylvester Stallone style. So. Ooh, can we please talk about Over the Top? Fuck it. Let's just oh talk God. about Over the Top. So Over the Top. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there is Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price in 1964. So this story has been told, but it feels like there's this long gap. There has been a few of stars, to say the least, that have been connected and considered over the years to be the Will Smith role. So here are some stars that were um, considered to play the Will Smith role, the Robert Neville role. Uh, the Robert <laughs> Neville role. 
One more time. The Robert never roll. No, it's not a sushi roll. I'll take the Robert never roll. Here are the list of stars who are going to play Will Smith. Kurt Russell was considered. Holy shit, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Well, get ready because it was Tom Cruise. Well, less awesome. Mel Gibson. Oh, God. Michael Douglas. <laughs> this isn't in this. These <laughs> names I'm so listing are in no particular order because I'm saving the two best for last. Uh, okay. Uh, uh-huh. But saying more, so I said Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> oh, okay. I can see that. I can actually see that. I can see all these guys. To be fair, it's just it's funny to think about it for a few minutes with all these guys. I'm like. Wow, this would be a different movie. Because yeah. Mel Gibson yeah. has done the, the Road Warrior, Mad Max. It's kind of similar. Like the loner surviving yeah. in a post-apocalyptic setting. Sure. 20 Kurt Russell years with ago. The, Kurt Russell with The Thing. You've kind of seen that before as well. Like, or um, Escape from York. Or, these guys yeah, are yeah, a lot he's, older, he's though, guy. than yeah. well, the Will Smith character. But if they have the rights in, in they, the 70s. Oh, yeah. So, 70s. so this has been a progressive thing throughout gotcha. the 90s. Essentially I thought we were talking about like this version before Oh, no, 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 no. I'm leading up because the 98 era Hockey is the 98 era rat. is where I'm saving the best for last. Okay. Continue. So one of our good friends of the podcast was considered for this role uh, pre-98, <laughs> but close enough in the mid-90s. And he goes by the name Nicolas Cage. Oh, <laughs> my God. That would have been a movie. Now, we need to talk about Nicolas Cage a little bit. But keep in mind, <laughs> I'm leaving out the best one. Still. So. Oh, my God. Can we remake Nicolas this movie Cage now with Nicolas Cage? Let's go. So, Tio, I wanted to give you the opportunity. Can you do Nicolas Cage do an I Am Legend? <laughs> Let's just do a quick scene where he's talking to Sam the dog. Oh, no. I was going to do a different scene. All right. Do whatever scene you want, then. <laughs> I like Shrek. This <laughs> <laughs> is my pull quote for this movie. I like Shrek. <laughs> just him just reciting everything. <laughs> I feel like that's when we get nice smile, like crazy eyed Nicolas Cage, where he'd be like, I, feel- I like Shrek too. Like he'd, he'd, he'd like, like drag Shrek. it all out. Really like, like, oh, Hi, Samantha. Did you sleep well? I feel Nicolas Cage like ended up doing Vampire's Kiss instead. I mean, that's not a direct <laughs> fact, a gift but it's just for like, all of us. <laughs> just ended up. I just like to believe that he ended up doing that crazy movie where he's like, "Oh, just being a loner in New York. Watch yeah. this version. I'll eat a cockroach and just scream." I, oh God! I really would hope that he would made would have made the choice. Uh, to have an accent like he did in Con Air, and he would just be talking to Samantha, just put down the bunny. <laughs> Better eat your vegetables. Better eat your vegetables. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I want to um, watch that movie. Okay, and then in '98, this is the closest I Am Legend. So the actual like title, I Am Legend. This is the closest this movie got to be made, but then they went severely over budget. The director was Ridley Scott. Wow. All right. And to play Will Smith was the one and only former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh. 
That movie was so close to being made, but they just went over budget. And I don't know if it was contract or like, you know, just filming in New York. Um, I think. Well, they had to wait for Shrek to finish being made. (laughs) So. Like Shrek. I I was blown away when I thought of that because the combo, because we've never seen a combo of Ridley Scott and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. And in 98, this is this is definitely peak Arnold. Um he, well, Arnold he, Arnold is ascendant. He's constantly ascendant. There's yeah. no peak for Arnold. He's constantly on the rise. He but, just gets more powerful. So Arnold did another movie around the same time called End of Days, where he fights uh, a literal demon. And uh, okay. the you know the, <laughs> fights the End of Days. I'm trying to imagine older Arnold. Uh, well, I guess '98 Arnold playing yeah. a, playing a scientist. <laughs> and, and what that's like where he's – and I, you can do this um, for Nick Cage as well. He played one uh, named Mr. Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> I have to meet you. What do you think it would have been like with Arnold like when he's you know saving onto the six redundant drives and uh, – <laughs> which is a lot that's of backup. excessive <laughs> actually. The There's only one human. <laughs> the test on the excessive uh, – not good. Uh, a new goal for supplies with Samantha McDonald. <laughs> My daughter died in a helicopter. <laughs> Forget about it. Still played by Will Smith. Forget about it. Still played by Will Smith. Still Will Smith, though. My daughter is Will Smith. Forget about it. I almost. <laughs> they died in the helicopter. Get away from the chopper. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, tr- literally. Get out. No, not the chopper. Get out of the chopper. Oh no. My God. I go hunting for the. Um, so the rest of the podcast. I go hunting for for the yeah, deer, the deer in Manhattan, and then uh, there's a lion. That's why he was excited to save this one for last, so he could then spend the next hour. Doing yeah, so we could just all do our Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. That was the closest. Don't worry. So, Get down. Um, I'm talking normal voice now, but that was the closest <laughs> this movie got to being made in '98. Was I Am Legend starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. directed by Ridley Scott. But, um, yeah, budget issues, it fell apart. Um, and then some time had passed, and then Will Smith mm-hmm. became the guy. Yeah. And he agreed to do that, and he and it's they got Will Smith. They're like, this movie's going to be a success instantly, just because if Hitch can tell you anything, the movie can be bad. But if Will Smith is on it, it's, it's good enough. Originally, this script of the movie was going to be rated R. It was a lot more uh, darker, Oops. but the 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 audiences and the testing it felt like we we're going to get more viewers if it kind of kept that PG thirteen tone. Um, mm. But it's funny because it's actually surprisingly like kind of artistic, and there's some really amazing filmmaking going on in the yeah. movie, and then it feels like there's this last third. Yeah, I was going to say the the first couple acts yes. yeah but then there's this last third of the movie that they just kind of go ah hollywood yeah yeah, just, yeah the, you can feel so I, I are we going to talk about the writing of this movie yeah absolutely let's talk about the writing of this movie because uh, because the biggest the most revealing part of this movie are the end credits where you get screenplay by the producer and this other person and then based on a screenplay by another person and another person based on a story by Richard Matheson. So it's a copy of a copy of a copy, much like multiplicity. Well, I think they rewrote the script even when they were producing it. Like, 
uh, this version, right? Like, fun fact of- though, the Will Smith version, the one that we watched that we're talking about right now, it was greenlit without a script. Really? <laughs> they were they just even- like Will Smith and a dog. Go. <laughs> That's what I thought when I read that note of like it was greenlit without any script. They're like Will Smith and a dog. He's the last man on earth. We'll make that work. Well, I did read that the director was like he had seen I think it was like The Piano or some other movie that's mostly silent and he was like, "Oh, silence is great." And that's why the movie is kind of like strangely artistic in a lot of ways because you, know, you for the first act of this movie, there's like no soundtrack. Like when the soundtrack kicked in, I was like, "Holy shit, there's music in this movie." Like I completely <laughs> forgot. True. There's practically no score in this film at all. And I think that's what's so effective about it because it felt like we were also alone mm-hmm. with our uh, with Will Smith. Like it felt like we were just like as taking the world as he was. And that's where sound design is so key. And I think the opening of the movie just encompasses all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. you're right away in the moment just exploring like this is his world and this is him, I guess – you know, hunting with his uh, Ford Mustang commercial. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and, no, uh, this was a, it started with a commercial and then got into the film. <laughs> well, yeah, all right. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend it. He's riding a Mustang because a Mustang is a horse and he's like <laughs> hunting deer, you know. I mean, it's a it's an obvious <laughs> well, it's an obvious like metaphor, but like <laughs> it was like, it's like the kind of clever that you get from a product placement in Hollywood, you know what I mean? Like you were very different if it was a Toyota Corolla. (laughs) (laughs) What is he really doing? Is he just chasing deer around with a car? It seemed like he was hunting deer himself, which I'd argue he had many opportunities to just grab one. Um, But then he realized that they were on a chase from being hunted. Uh, So he kind of like went off to the side with one. And what a coincidence. That's the same one that was being tracked by the lions. Um, that live in New York City, so it, it was it was a little little convenient, I would say, just to get that shot that was in all the trailers of Will Smith coming upon some lions. No, I was gonna say the 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 problem to me is less that he's like riding a Mustang, <clears throat> because you know, like I would pick if I was the last man on earth, I'm I'm driving like whatever fucking car I want, right? My problem was. Uh, why didn't he just run over a deer with yes. his Mustang? That, <laughs> like, why I was just going to say that. Just, just hit, hit one. With the car. The car. <laughs> that's what I was a saying. Deer. Like it's he. He had plenty of opportunities to pick off any of those deer. I don't understand why he had to go on this chase with them. He had multiple deer that were like next to him in the car. The dog could have gotten out yeah. and gotten one. At he one point, does he? Into one. Does he avoid hitting yeah. them with the car? Yeah, he doesn't hit them the at all. And he makes it sound like it, it's actually a terrible commercial for a Mustang because it's like he's he it looks like he's going so fast, but the deer, <laughs> the deer. aren't going that fast. They're going like maybe 25 miles an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a good point. Deers don't run that fast. Yeah, they're not. He's like he's like doing donuts around them. Merriman, I grew up in like deer hunting country in up in Wisconsin and generally I never went deer hunting but it's you know people go in blinds mm-hmm. and sit patiently and quietly for a deer to approach to get their kill I like this a- attempt of 
I am going to just drive fast as fuck with a my really Mustang and just car. torment and make these deer run all over the place instead of just, I don't know, just chilling and waiting for one of these 80 deer to just show up and I'll just shoot one. And was it food or was he trying to get a test subject? So maybe he wanted to capture one or maybe alive? both. I don't know. I, don't I think, think he was trying to get food. I just, I read it as him just hunting. Later we'll find out he knows how to hunt the infected uh, people. Yeah. Because we just showed that it was just like a thing he normally does. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. hooks up a car to a mousetrap contraption. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute, though. Uh, let's talk about the good parts about this movie. So, <laughs> he's, I think the for me, what I would love to talk about next is with this scene with the deer, with him and the dog, the living in solitude, especially because a lot of us are living in solitude. I think back to this movie all the time of about how they portrayed the solitude. It's just him simply just going about a routine. You know, we saw that with Castaway as well with like Tom Hanks becoming best friends with a volleyball. Like he's having full on <laughs> conversations with his dog. Uh, they make their dinner. Then they apparently sleep in a bathtub. But that was kind of weird um, because <laughs> your house yeah, is already locked down. I don't get that. In the bathtub. He doesn't, though. He did. He like does that. For, I was so confused by that because he does that the first day. And then, yeah, later he's sleeping in a bed. Totally fine. It feels like it got rewritten. That's what it that's what it feels like. It's like those details got lost during a rewrite. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that is true, but regardless, I felt what I really always take away is the feeling of the solitude of this movie and this is just me personally, there's this kind of post-apocalyptic of all right, the world has went to shit. But this is my routine. This is my solitude. This is I'm protected. I have these weapons. I have this food. This dog's my companion. It's, you know, we brought up Mad Max when we talk about like Mel Gibson. There is kind of that like just this guy and the dog just kind of surviving all of this. I think that's what I really loved about the movie. And sadly, the movie had to have a plot. Because I could have just I could have just watched this for an hour and a half. And well, like, and people say I'm that about Castaway. It's truly a sad thing. The movie has a plot. People say that about <laughs> Castaway too. I could watch uh, Tom Hanks in a volleyball the whole movie, but once he goes back to Helen Hunt and they're doing the whole like reacclimating him to the world, you're like, eh, I don't care. So it's kind I, of this similar. It's similar to that. I'm enjoying watching this. It mm-hmm. felt real, like. You know, this is someone surviving in this world. And he's been surviving for three years. So we also know that the flashbacks take place like the virus outbreak. Like the outbreak was during 2009. So now this is three years later. This is 2012, Mm -hmm. uh, New York. So he's been doing this for three years Mm -hmm. um, and has not went crazy yet. Hey, so so Max, you said you haven't read the book, right? Yeah, that's correct. So like I would I'm. Super curious what you would think about the book then, because the book is like chronicles Robert Neville's life, like in the intervening three years. Like the the it's funny, this movie kind of takes place in the last parts of the book. The book is very Hmm. different, but like interesting. Yeah. But like, you know, when you start the book starts out, it's only been five months since everything went to hell. And then it like jumps in time and like the last few sections are like three years after or five years after. I think the last I think in the book, the book was written in the 50s. And so the, the apocalypse happened in the 70s. And I think the beginning of the book is then is like 1975 and the end of the book is like 1979. 
So and you mm-hmm. and so you get you see kind of the how this character kind of progresses to the point where he where Will Smith is kind of at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, and I think it's also a book that's like more appropriate now than ever to probably read. Oh, yeah. oh my God! Listening to the book, I was like, the book is brutal. It is way different than this movie uh, in the sense that like, um, it's so much about this one character's isolation and how he deals with it. Um, the monsters are also, I, this movie is actually the closest of the three movie adaptations, arguably the closest one to the way the monsters are in the book. In the book, they're just called vampires, which for whatever reason they couldn't call them in this movie, cause, but they, that's what they are. Um, and the, the they, they kind of match up. The, um, the movie is, this movie is pretty close. Um, uh, to the book vampires the book has like a twist that I, I'm, I'm not going to spoil now but or, <laughs> but or we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it when we talk about the end of this movie anyway yeah absolutely uh miriam before we kind of move on what like you know you've never seen this is your first time so for juliet myself dio we're, we're re-watching this movie you've never seen it before what for fresh eyes like watching like this kind of opening the the lack of score and just the solitude and just the one man show Will Smith. Like what, what, what are your feelings about it? Yeah. Uh, pretty similar to what you guys have been saying where I enjoyed the survivalist parts. Like I, I liked the beginning and then it got a little too convoluted. Once we introduced <laughs> these creatures, I guess, vampires. Uh, but I didn't even notice that there wasn't a score until you mentioned it the other day i think i was just going along with it i was in the moment but there's a lot of movie scores that you don't even realize are there when there is music so it's very seldom when you get movies that uh you know another example is like no country for old men by the coen brothers that movie's pretty well known that it had no score whatsoever Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of like a sound designer's dream because you're going to like basically just give us this whole world of sound. Like, you know, the opening of the movie starts off with you hear kind of like the nature, like this kind of new nature mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of, uh, I guess, the car horns and uh, traffic and people and the, what Times Square should be. You hear a couple bird chirps. And bird then... chirps. And it's kind of like you're watching <laughs> Planet Earth. Yeah. 2012. It's, three years it's later. It's like. It's like you're watching the live feed of Times Square right now. <laughs> and that is what's trippy about rewatching this movie. Yeah. Because, oh. Oh, Waiting for no. grass to start growing through the sidewalks. Um, yeah. I'm going to still be doing this podcast, but everyone else is dead. And I'm just like, welcome to filming you in. This is my test subject. I will be yeah, here like every day. On the side. I'll be here every day at midday <laughs> when the sun is highest in the sky. It's noon. Noon. <laughs> Talking about Shrek. <laughs> the, the, yeah, uh, yeah. I like Shrek. So that is perfect to bring up because let's talk about what he does every day. Um, we basically know that he, uh, if he's not hunting for deer, he's hanging out uh, underneath uh, what the Brooklyn Bridge and sending out a radio transmission. But yeah, we had a few thoughts about that. He keeps saying midday. <laughs> when the sun is when highest. When the sun in the is day. highest in the day. 
sky. Yeah. In the sky. When the sun is highest in the day. Sky. And the sky. <laughs> oh my. What what are we doing here? Um <laughs> nothing. Max's music podcast. Getting ridiculed over here. Um uh, This is what, why you do the podcast. You glow with the punishment. Wouldn't you just say like what time to show up? Like I'll be here between noon you know, Eastern. You know, because otherwise you're gonna have a debate with some people of like, well, the sun wasn't the highest in the sky right now. This is kind of confusing. What else are you doing? Is that what the lady says immediately? She's like, "You weren't fucking there." Because he, (laughs) yeah, he was. uh, You were hanging out since noon. (laughs) (laughs) She does say that. That's right. Like I like Shrek. He's and then he said, "I I like Shrek." I I think it's funny. It he. The version of Robert Neville, not to be like the guy who constantly references the book, but since I read it, I'm going to. Right now, you are that guy because we need (laughs) you to be that that guy. guy. But it's interesting in this movie, Robert Neville, he's like, I I wasn't quite sure what his job was, but he was like a military commander and virologist. And like, he's like, and immune to the disease. He's like, uh, uh he, he it's one of those things where the the main character like before the movie even started he's like this super guy yeah. you know like he it would be like and they never really explain it because he's got a military rank but he's also a viro- virologist and i'm like well was he surgeon general then like i don't understand <laughs> it felt like he was something like surgeon general yeah. but overall it just felt like he was just uh a big old recipe of convenience because yeah, exactly. Well, and that's my point is like in the book, Robert Neville is just a guy. Like yeah. he doesn't know shit from shit. Like a mm. good part of the book is him just figuring out like how bacteria works. Cause he's trying to figure out wh- how everyone turned into vampires. And he's just completely oblivious. Does the book you know? tell you how he happened upon a house that had a lab in the basement? No, he does. The book tells you. So Robert Neville's uh, lab in the book is a microscope. (laughs) Great. All he has has is a microscope. You mean he doesn't have a bunch of Apple computers and six redundant drives? (laughs) (laughs) And a really convenient little like fireplace area where he can put uh, the two people at the end. And play Bob Marley all the time. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's my secret escape hatch at the end of the movie. Here's my hatch of convenience. (laughs) You can escape perfectly in this room. Where don't, I lock people in. Don't worry. It's definitely like nuclear grenade bomb proof. That's oh one grenade. Entire shit. <laughs> like, well, the best part is like, if you're saying, you know, let's just skip to the ending really quick. Because if, if you're saying that you can pull the grenade and they can get through this tunnel, you could pull that pin, throw it, and then run in the tunnel with them and probably survive. Right. Yeah. Based yeah. on your logic. Or, or also, he could have used that grenade earlier once he figured out where all of these vampire nightcrawler things lived and just tossed it in there and ran. Um, also, if you're going to prepare for this eventuality, you would build an You would never lock yourself up in a room that you can't escape. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, it defeats the perp. Like, he was supposed to be this, like, super prep guy, but right. yet. He- 
has this glaring flaw. <laughs> it is this like escape route. I just don't. I, I, ah! <laughs> I will give him credit though. He is super prepped on just having random guns hidden wherever he needs them to be hidden. Yeah. So, I mean, his I'm umbrella one... guns. Dude. Umbrella gun. Oh my Dude, god! The umbrella machine gun. You don't have one of those. First of all, no one has umbrella stands anymore. This guy uh, has a machine gun in his. Yeah, they just have machine gun yeah. stands. Right. So this is where it's fallen Merca. under the bad half of this film. Um, the bad half? Obviously, we want to talk about the bad half more. Um, okay. I don't know, because I truly, I truly feel in my heart that there's a really amazing first half of this film, and then there's a really bad yeah. half. Well, it and has some like Hitchcockian yeah, yeah, yeah. elements to the beginning of it. Before Holy. you ever see one, you've got the sounds of this horde like going around at night while he's in the bathtub with yeah, the dog. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was yeah. exciting. It was it I would have preferred, I think, that little stress throughout the whole movie, although I was freaking out the whole time when they were in the their lair. Yeah. yeah. But it was I mean the bad half though, then you have all these really good moments, but then you have this moment where he can fall down the stairs and, and then magically a gun is hidden in this one area, or he wakes up and he's like, Oh, this cupboard has a gun. Um, it's just kind of like you get a gun and then I got a gun. <laughs> we all get guns. Um, let's talk more about the good part though. And then we'll get into the bad okay. part. He, we also know that he like by making the time go by, he has his best friend, which is a dog that was given to him by his daughter. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the flashbacks in a second, but he's also, wait, 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 are we okay? Never mind. We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the flashback stuff. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about also the friends that he's made in this new world, uh, which are mannequins. Um, that's kind of a big deal. Um, that <laughs> mainly in a video store, I guess. He has mannequins. Yeah, he set up the video store mannequins. Fred, what was the girl's I... name? I want to say there was an Anna. Yeah, that well, I mean, Fred's the big plot point, I guess. But right. yeah, I don't remember the other ones because he's trying to get the courage to talk to one of the mannequins. Yeah. Which I assume he has sex with later. Um, oh, he that already was, has. That, yeah. That, <laughs> well, he's never called him. her back. He's like, say hello to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that scene, I actually found, uh, maybe this is just because I'm alone in this quarantine. <laughs> but like, I thought that scene was really tragic. Like, and oh, very yeah. like. Just him being like, please say hello to me. Like, after losing. This, oh. That's after the dog died, right? Yeah. Well, yes. That's well, the desperation part. The, the yeah. mannequins are several times. Because mm-hmm. the first time, you just see the usual day thing. And then, then that's when he starts talking to his dog, right? Right. right. But um, I, I, I got the impression that every day, he never talked to that girl. Like, that that it was just the... He every day he would just joke with the cashier that he was going to talk to her and the dog. And, uh, yeah, and the dog. Yeah, exactly. And then and then this horrible thing happened, and then he walked over. But the thing to me that was the most tragic was if you're looking at where she's she is in the video store, she's in the porn section. Yes. <laughs> I noticed this, <laughs> and it's like, well, to me, I'm like, oh my god, because then you. That was like so revealing of like, oh, this thing that like looked like this cute interaction actually is really fucking dark. And maybe he is fucking the mannequins and maybe he is like really, really (laughs) crazy. He could have put her over in like the romance section or like, you know, we see Hitch in the background. Adult films are romantic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hitch was in the background in the porn section. (laughs) You didn't see that? Uh, 
<laughs> but like, but I actually like that's those are the parts of the movie where because because like this movie does a really good job of like visual language telling you a lot of the story, right? Like because it's so silent, because he has no one to talk to for a minute. Like I, I do, I agree. I think like the movie really shines when those little details come out in the background, and you're like, oh, okay. Like you know, I said earlier, I think the filmmaker is better than the script. Like you know, he yeah. he he kind of sets all these things up and and puts all these little details in the background, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like you know, like I'm I'm understanding very quickly like the level of depravity this character is actually at now um, after three years of being alone. Um, an insight to how we will all be. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty more days. So the point is, everyone was buying toilet paper, and they should be buying mannequins. Oh, uh, dude, you don't have your mannequin yet? <laughs> no, I have two alive people. That we're talking about right now. Uh, no, no, hang on. You know, uh, fun fact, though. Uh, weird transition. Um, some of the mannequins, though, were played by real people throughout the movie. What the director's point was to make actual actors play the mannequins. Some of them. So, like, the one that he's talking to about, like, why won't you talk to me? That's a mannequin. But I guess if you look in the background, there were, like, different actors. Holding uh, really still? That's holding kinda, really well, still. Because it's supposed to create the effect that it's messing with his mind. And then, skipping ahead, when the trap is laid out for him, when he gets busted. Right. The mannequin, if you pay attention in the that. first shot, because I know, did you guys all notice this? Like the first yeah. shot, like where the, it looks like the mannequin moves on yeah. the right shot. I thought that was a person. I thought it was a person. It yeah, was. It was, it was a mime playing that mannequin, and then when you get to the close up, I guess it was a professional mime. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> that they had to slowly move in that wide shot to see like his mind. He's losing his mind, so that when right. he starts yelling at the actual mannequin, then right. So I guess they did that. In the movie, there would be like in wider shots. Yeah. Some of the mannequins were just people so being the, still so to the make first it feel time, like he thinks they're people. The first time I watched it and I saw that and I saw it move, I said, "Oh my god, they're good." There's there are another people. person. And then when he got trapped, I said, "Oh, those people are bad." And then <laughs> when I realized, no, these zombie things trapped him. I'm like, if they have the forethought, like if they're able to mimic his trap and actually take his mannequin that apparently they know he talks to all the time and put it there to trap him, then they don't, they're not these primitive creatures that right. <laughs> that are existing here. These like bat-like, zombie-like evil beings. Uh, vampires yeah. vampire all of those things that's they they wouldn't be able to not only mimic the exact trap that he left for them because they wouldn't have the tools or skills to do that um but they also wouldn't know that he talks to these mannequins in the video store which he goes to during the day when they're not even able to come out into the sun to see this it's just all these different levels of uh that's that for me is when the movie is like Nah, fuck it. Well, yeah, well, no, and and it's especially bad because they there's that scene where he's like talking into his like computer and being like, they're clearly like there's no associate like they're not sociological anymore. Well, however he says it, like they don't have they're antisocial. They they don't have a society. They don't. Have I think a he culture. said they have and no signs yeah, of and, a humanity. Yeah, and you're like, wait As a if minute, it, like they've been slowly losing 
it from his studies or something like yeah. that. Which at that point you're like, wait, how did you come to that? Like, where did you make that? Like, why would you think that at all? Like, you yeah. know, like it's it's very. You're right. It's so. It's bad. Again, it's like it, I, I just feel like there was a better version, and somebody like they added that scene, and then I think they added like the movie kind of tips its hand too much at that moment, and that just feels like a producer being like, well, the audiences aren't going to get it, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I think really when that trap is set and unfortunately the, when the dog dies, I think the movie does take a really dumb Hollywood turn Mm -hmm. where it becomes very stereotypical of Mm -hmm. here are the villains. Here's the hero. Here's our conclusion. And it's weird because it feels like it's two movies when I watch it, because I feel everything leading up to that, was a certain film with a certain pacing. And really, towards the end, it's like, oh, here's uh, an- another character with her son. Randomly, they'll talk for a while. They'll get to safety. He's going to sacrifice himself. Uh, here's the villain. The end. It was weird because, man, I just really liked where the movie was going. And I felt like I was really into it. And the other part was like, well, let's just wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, gets it, was, it was really, really weird. Quick. The pacing is all over the place. Like it, it, it's like it's a very uneven movie. Because yeah. you're right, it definitely turns into that action schlock. And there's like huge plot holes on, like they just show up and save him. Like how did that happen? Well, they, <laughs> they were waiting there at the pier. But yeah. I mean, they just saved with, up with bright lights. Like what <laughs> they the had fuck? those UV lights that they had been holding on to. And during the whole thing where he's driving back and forth and crashing into them, they're like, should we use Nah, we won't use it. Let's just uh, wait and find yeah, out. When it was like officially yeah. he's just going off the deep end and he's just recklessly hitting him. They apparently have some daylight. Uh, UV lights. UV lights yeah. that are just going to really right. just save the day. Okay. And then yeah. also he's just mumbling where he lives. Like, I live uh, uh, I Washington. Live, I live Washington Square Park. No, it's a big fucking area uh, with lots of places to, to live. Uh, but I guess she figured it out. And luckily he had that copy of Shrek with him uh, so, mm. so they could watch that. Yeah, he liked Shrek. So that's why. <laughs> Man, is, we that, keep... is that anything I learned about Will Smith? <laughs> like Shrek. We keep teasing this Shrek moment, so... <laughs> I just hate that moment. Um, well, now that we're go- well, now that we're like here, where we meet the kid. Do you know who that kid is? I just realized it the other day. He's annoying. No. Daniel Day Lewis. That is Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> no, it's he's in a little show called Ozarks. He plays Wyatt. Oh, really? Yeah, he's Wyatt. That's Wyatt Langmore. from Ozarks. Yeah, I just realized that today. Dia, do you watch Ozarks? Don't. Yeah, you should. It's great. But yeah, yeah you got you, any extra time right now? Yeah, you doing anything? I don't. <laughs> Binge Ozark. <laughs> but he's in that. He plays Wyatt Langmore. So Ozark fans that are listening to this, because we know that's a big crossover. Yeah. Ozarks and I am Legend. The Venn diagram of filming you in fans <laughs> and Ozark fans are literally <laughs> two circles are just right <laughs> on top of each other. <laughs> There's maybe like a sliver, and that's just me. That's just where I live in the blood diagram. A lot of stuff led up to him being rescued. And I mean, it's like that, I think we're kind of saying is like the halfway point in the movie where all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. This is kind of bad, right? Why did I think this was good? For me, that moment was when they set the trap. Yeah. That's when that I was, was like, yeah. uh. Also, by the way, we keep. Not knowing what to call them, zombies or whatever. I guess 
they're, they're called dark seekers in this one because i guess if you put on subtitles when they groan and stuff they're called hemocytes so oh, hemocyte is like blood drinker or something in latin or some shit yeah. i think so wow. that, that that that's just fancy vampire I think. Okay, so can we call them fancy vampires? I'm I'm down. Uh, this all vote on this. We're gonna call them fancy vampires from here on out on the show. All in? Yeah. Isn't that Twilight? They're fancy vampires, and some of them are fancy, but they're just called vampires. They don't dress fancy, but you know, they're in a fancy movie. Um, yeah, I think a complaint on this is that it's a lot of the CGI. So there's a lot of the plot holes, like we said, this whole, like, why can this species imitate this trap and and know how to work through things? Uh, but then there's also this question of, um, like, why all the CGI? Why does this feel necessary? You've got an actor playing this alpha male um role uh, i think it was dash minock who who i had a huge crush on because he was benvolio in the romeo and juliet with leonardo dicaprio that guy that guy the redhead guy that's who's playing this alpha male um night crawler fancy vampire guy he like he's an actual actor and a, and a good actor and a talented actor and they've cgi'd all up in him um yeah and they could have yeah. they could have just done a world of amazing makeup effects, I think, and well, made it a I, little I, stronger. Yeah. I read that they actually did. And like they, they shot a week's worth of the movie with makeup just effects. Makeup. And it was just way over. Like for whatever reason they wanted, they, it didn't look right. They had oh. like some conception of what the vampires were supposed to be like. And the, the makeup effects weren't working, but the CGI is, not good in this movie. It no, is, uh, it is very dated. Their it's, mouths are so weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Off, the clothes are CGI that are on them because they're all sort of yeah. clothed. Yeah, it's really it's it's jacked up. And then it's also that whole like, why are they so advanced but so not advanced? Um, and they're oh the dogs. <laughs> oh yeah that was so weird when like, he's like holding the dogs back and then they let them loose like again it felt like a, a moment that got added in a rewrite on the script like yeah because yeah. then he never pursues he lets the dogs he, out and then yeah nothing he lets exactly. the dogs out and the dogs attack and then he gets away just in time who let the dogs out? Ah, uh, you beat me to it. I, was I figured who? someone would do it. Who? Who? <laughs> but yeah, he lets the dogs out. And the then fancy fun he... <laughs> And then he lets them get away. And if his ultimate goal was to fuck with this guy, like, cool. But you could have gotten him right there. It's well, they just needed a fight flawed. scene with the dog. The dog right. had to fight the evil dogs. Right. And die. Right. And then I, I think there's something to be said about it. It could have been done in a much better way if it was more in like the Hitchcockian or the Jaws way of like yeah that shark was so bad and we saw that shark at the very end of the movie in all of its horrific glory but the rest of the movie is so powerful and so good because you're not seeing the shark Mm. and that's kind of I think what would have made this so much better is yeah I don't mind seeing the horrible zombie nightcrawler fancy vampire at the end um, if they kept with the powerful not seeing them throughout this whole process. The moment that really does work when, is when we first introduce to them 
because most in the bathtub. No, no, when no, they're, no, They're all huddled like that oh. creepy yeah. ass thing. Oh so, yeah, where they're like staring at. Yeah, so I, all... I have like a note of that because I think that's like one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, because we are getting to know Sam the dog and uh, uh, Robert, Robert the dog, Robert the man. You know, like we, we're getting to know our two people throughout this, and the pacing is so great. But while they're doing a, just a casual hangout by the bridge and then they go for a quick hunt because Sam sees a deer, which also kind of like a little like nitpick thing. Uh, why why is that dog running into darkness? Shouldn't it know better? Like if he's saying like Sam, no, like the dog seems so trained that it shouldn't be doing that. Right. Chasing the yeah, deer. Yeah, that was a little incongruous, you know. Yeah. Like, but anyways, he loves that dog so much because what we find out through flashbacks is that dog reminds him of his daughter as well and just kind of represents his family that he lost. But at the same time, it's like, this is his best friend. This is his mm-hmm. companion getting through this madness for three years. Um, practically just raised it from a puppy. Yeah. Wait. Can we get from the flashbacks. Can we talk about that flashback, though, for <laughs> one second? Yeah, yeah, because that I want to. Yeah. All right, so let's let's do a pause on the darkness. (laughs) She's holding the dog. Like we see them going through this whole thing. That we see his family going the whole time, and then she gets put in the helicopter, and she's like, "Daddy, here's this dog." It's like, where the fuck was the dog? Here's how I can explain that off: is that we're in his memory, and he wasn't thinking about her holding the dog. He was just, you know, sometimes your dreams are a little screwed up. So Even he wasn't movie, thinking about the dog until Juliet. he was ready to think about the dog. My problem, the most egregious thing for me, was when they did the scanner test on her eyes and it showed that she had the disease. So they're like, nope, you can't come. And he's like, scan it again. And he's like, they go through that whole rigmarole and he scans it again. They're like, oh, nope, you're clear. Go ahead. I'd lose my shit if I was in the crowd. And I was like, wait a minute. Scan me again. <laughs> like, oh. what the hell? Well, that is when they introduced the two scan system. You know, scan, <laughs> scan me once shame on me scan me twice am i better not a zombie (laughs) don't worry all those people like ate each other or whatever that happened yeah (laughs) (laughs) but no i mean i could not get over again all those flashback scenes actually feel like they got rewritten Mm -hmm. all of them feel very like Oh, we have to explain more of this. Man, I got to say, though, the flashback scenes, I think, were actually really, really good. The way the pacing and how this movie was cut together, I kind of liked the flashback oh. scenes. Oh, Max, really? <laughs> but but hold up. The second where I got a little bit too much for me was when we have to like fully see the helicopter crash into the other helicopter. Right. Um, I thought like, okay, well, we can just assume that because we're looking at them three years later, they didn't survive. Right. Like, right. But what I liked about it, and I'll say one for sound design because it was cool. Um, cool. We're going from completely silent, like this very silent, ambient life. Mm-hmm. He's living where he's alone. And then we're like, it's jarring that we cut to the absolute chaos that was getting going off on, the island, trying to get off this island. The bridges are getting blown up and the helicopter is going on. And it's like all in this moment, like this is all he has to say goodbye to his wife and daughter. I thought that all effectively worked for me because we keep playing. Now this guy's left with just his thoughts mm-hmm. I, and I, he's also okay. hanging out at the helicopter. Yeah, that's uh, where his family had too. 
So I just thought yeah. that kind that of all, nice. That is nice. It I, all I, worked I, for me. I'll give you that. You like, weren't at all bothered by Daddy. Why are the madman doing this? Daddy, why are the blah 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 doing this? Daddy, why That was so Willow could get paid because if she said lines, then he could get her a paycheck. Exactly right. It's like my daughter, my seven year old daughter, or however old she was in this movie. Not a seven year old. Who's playing three? Yeah. Uh, Maybe like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. When do kids learn to talk? (laughs) Juliet. Yeah. Juliet. Like five, right? Um, <laughs> Whatever. She's not a real human yet because she hasn't gotten old enough to be a real human yet, exactly. and she never will be in this oh, movie. So. Oh, poor Willow. Cut that. Cut that terrible joke out, please. <laughs> Those scenes to me made no sense because it just made it. Like I understand the the like. Oh, I have to be here. It's my duty to figure out this problem, like to figure out a a, a cure. If Will Smith's character was like the the person who found the disease or like created the disease in the first place, you know what I mean? His motivations felt so wacky to me because the literally the apocalypse is happening around him, and he's like, you know what I'm not gonna do? Go with my family. Like, I, I just, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's the pandemic happening right now, but I was just like, I do not relate to this person at all. Like, but, this person is not heroic. But he was <laughs> the guy who created it. Right? No, he wasn't. Well, the no, woman it was. was. Uh, no, it was, it was Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, Thompson in the opening where she cured cancer, but the side effects were like this mutation yeah. virus. So she cures yeah. cancer and then you become a zombie Well, I guy. know that. I thought... She, he was like one of the people that helped create it. No, no, he's not. Like he has this mysterious job with, yeah, like the CDC or something like that, or I don't know. Made it all the more confusing. Every one of those flashbacks. Yeah, but the opening starts with Emma Thompson. It seems like this private company. Like, yeah, we've cured cancer. It's the same thing as just prescribing a drug that you don't really know what the side effects are yet. Uh, which is happening Which is something that's going um, on. <laughs> I thought this wasn't a political podcast. Uh, so let's talk about that cool moment, though. Let's go back to the 2012 time. I think that this moment in the darkness when we reveal these fancy vampires, I really think that that was, for me, probably, like, the best moment of the movie and definitely, like, the last best move- moment of the movie. Because <laughs> that scene... There was actual pure edge of my seat tension. Did you watch me watching this, even though I've seen it before? The whole time, I've got, like, my shirt over my face like it is a face mask, and I'm protecting myself (laughs) from... From the coronavirus. But it's, like, up, like, under... Like, I'm freaking out, and I know exactly what's going to happen, but I forget the exact moment and how terrifying it is. Yeah, it's just because we are... We don't know any... Like, if, if you're watching this movie for the first time, and we'll get... Your thoughts, Miriam, because even re-watching this, this is my second time watching the movie. Remember the first time, we just know that there's something else that he's hiding from because of the scene in the bathtub, right? Mm -hmm. But we see going to the darkness, well, that can't be good. And then the cinematography is brilliant because it's the light on his gun that he's kind of like holding off, not to give light, but he cares so much about the dog. And you're like left in the dark and the reveal of them, like, and they're gross. Holy Whoa. shit. 
And, yeah. and I mean, what we know later, just kind of why are they just doing that? Because apparently they just hang out in the darkness all yeah, the time. Yeah, they don't have to sleep or anything. Miriam, what was it like for you to go through that scene for the first time? I thought I definitely was very tense. My heart was pounding. I didn't know what to expect. And then when they showed them in that huddle, I laughed. I don't, not that audibly, but I laughed at that moment. Like, I don't know. They were all like panting in a circle. I don't know. So you thought that part was funny. Yes. I thought it was a weird reveal. Like, I was expecting something scarier. What did you call it? No, you called it silent disco. Oh, yeah. I said, oh, they're just having a silent disco in the warehouse. (laughs) Miriam, I'm not going to lie. That was also my response. They totally were having a silent disco. (laughs) It was just like, they're just like. like, Meanwhile, I'm Googling Googling how do bats sleep because I'm freaked out, like thinking they look like these bat creatures and bats are like my least favorite animal uh, ever. You live in the right town for Uh, that. I know. I know. We live in Austin. I know. Whenever you say, let's go see the bats, I'm like, "Ah, God damn it. Well, the, the, the panting and the hyperventilating is the thing that kept them like why they went to CGI. Because I guess that was oh. like in the concept. This is what I had read about them originally using the the makeup effects. Like they couldn't have actors like hyperventilate like that because they would just pass out. So yeah. they went full CGI so that they could all like look like they're at a silent disco. <laughs> I think most of the CGI after this scene is pretty awful. Uh, it really yeah. is. Yeah. But I've, am I in the minority right now when I say that? That reveal of them just panting, like the the murky mysteriousness, like that was no, pretty chilling. Right? I literally said, "I told you, no, I I was terrified." Okay, gotcha. I didn't Mary know. Mary and Dio were like, <laughs> "Silent Disco." Yeah, yeah we, we, we're jaded, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, bats are cool. I thought that was genuinely effective. Yeah. Um, and that whole scene was great, but then when it gets into you know the traps that are set, um. Apparently, like, they have a leader, and they're kind of becoming their own society. I just think the movie just kind of lost itself a little bit. Um, yeah. Eminem, you know, lose yourself in the music. <laughs> oh. Um, Surprised he wasn't tapped to play this character. Oh, that would have been great, too. <laughs> Good movie. Like a Eminem real rapper. That. It'd have yeah. to be in Detroit, though. <laughs> so, Dio, do you want to weigh in on this, uh, this darkness scene? Was this, like, a top scene for you or do you disagree i i liked it i had the the him going through i had the same problem where i was like oh this dog should be the most well-trained dog ever yeah and like this this shouldn't be happening now like that was that was what i had like in my head i was like well wait a minute like this this they should have been through this before you know yeah, because like, he's caught. Th- yeah, he's caught he's other vampires, so they've interacted with them exactly. before. And it's like yeah. a well-trained dog too, from a puppy. Yeah, and, yeah, and for yeah that's him what I'm saying. Go... It's like this. This is a scene that should have happened like two years ago. Right, and for him to yell the dog like "Get out!" Go like the dog knew to get to the light. The dog knew to run out through oh, yeah. whatever random doggy door I existed only for him on the second story. I uh, forgot about he, that. He knew that. So if he had the concept of understanding what that is, then he knew not to follow the, the 
the deer into the vampire lair. It, it goes along with the whole idea of like these these creatures are too smart for what they're supposed to be as well. The dog is acting too stupid right now. Like our dog's not very smart, but she would know not to do that. Well, it, as long as we had a stern voice and she's like, I guess what you're saying is she's not like, like military trained. She's, like it feels like this dog is. She's barely trained yeah. at all. Um, but if I would have yelled at her, don't go in there, she would definitely stop because yeah. our dog seems to be more interested in what we're doing rather than chasing a deer. <laughs> um, we don't get a lot of deer these days. But uh, yet. <laughs> I, I will say, though, that scene is so great and tense, but the... Um, I guess the climax of that scene was it was jumping out of a second story window and three of them were like holding on to him or something. And the right? second when the fell, UV rays hit he, them, it went. And he used them to break his fall. <laughs> I was just like, OK, well. Which that... he'd still break his spine landing on those things. Totally. I mean, <laughs> if I fell out of bed, I'd be probably hurt, you know. <laughs> and I am way younger than Dr. Neville. Yeah. You doing pull-ups every morning, too? What? <laughs> yeah, you do your exercise. Oh, no. That was actually the craziest part. When I watched his craziest. routine in the morning, I was like, oh, cool. So I'm doing it right. Because that's what I do every morning. <laughs> and that's what he looks morning. like without his shirt on. Just no, it's crazy. Um, Will Smith. It's basically, I look like Will Smith at the beginning of uh, the morning every quarantine day. But at the night, I turn into these weird uh, CG fancy vampires. Um, and then I just, so you're both the hero and the villain of the story. Of my life, bro. You know? Oh, bro. 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 Anyways, the, the moment that we don't want to talk about. The, the death of the dog is definitely... Uh. I would say that anyone that has seen this movie, one of the hardest parts to watch is the dog passing away. There's plenty of people that haven't seen this movie because they know what's going to happen to the dog, so they won't see the movie. Juliet, there's a website you go to that says, does the it's dog die? Does the dog die.com. I use it for all my movies that I'm afraid to see. Um, and this is definitely an inspiration for it, I would say. I wonder what does the dog die say about this movie? It says the dog yes. dies. It just says yes. Says the yes. word yes. That's, That's what all. the website is. It's it a literally yes a yes or a no. And you're allowed to describe Well, but there's a bunch is. of like categories, right? Like yes. where it's like blah, blah, blah. Does this happen? That happen? Is there a but shower this one just scene? Says yes. apparently shower scenes are triggering. Anyways. Yeah. Sam passing away and the manner in which it happens oh, is just God. like, it's very rough. Will Smith nails it. Um. Yeah, he does actually do a really great job in that moment. I really feel, I wonder how everyone else feels, but while he's strangling Sam, um, if you want to go into that moment, I felt like that was the movie strangling itself. And just saying like, it's time time to be a shitty film. I'm sorry. It was a good ride. Again, Miriam and I both have (laughs) argued that it's before then. It's when he gets captured. In In the trap. Yeah. Well, I think that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning of the, the end. the beginning of it, but still. The heart dies when Sam dies, though. Yeah, the tension with the dog protecting him and all that yeah. still works effectively for me. But I feel like once the dog's out of the movie, that's literally when you get introduced to, like, he's upset, he gets rescued, and then all of a sudden he, he likes Shrek. Yeah. And 
And this family that we don't care about. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the relationship with the dog, though, in general. Because that was, like, a big highlight of the film. Juliet, what did you love about the relationship that he had with the dog? I mean, I think we've talked about it a little bit already. The the Wilson character um, that is this dog. And what came first? Wilson came first, right? Castaway was first? 2000 was Castaway. Yeah. So it's kind of the, the redo of that Wilson character, that silent character that you fall in love with and then the added bonus that it's a dog for god's sakes um that's like the most beloved creature in all film i would argue um and on earth but it's it's this this and it's a female dog so it's got the like his daughter's spirit i think in this dog as well so it becomes this whole moment where now he has to relive he's killing the last member of his family now he has to let that last member go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. I didn't and think about it that way. Will Smith does really well. Well, you pointed to me and asked me to talk about it, so you knew it was going to get dark. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Classic Juliet. Yep. Very dark. <laughs> Takes it back to murdering your family every time. I mean, it's a... I... I... I thought that the, the not just to jump in here. I thought the relationship with the dog, like aside from like the the what we've already talked about, like the weird plot hole of the dog, like not being trained. Like I, I'm with you, Max. I'm like I'm all in on watching, you know, Will Smith and a dog, you know, survive the apocalypse. It's a it's a very classic post-apocalyptic setup, like man and man's best friend out in the, you know, you see it in video games, you see it in, in other apocalypse fiction. What's interesting, again, bringing up the book, uh, the dog in the book is as a completely different, uh, point. Uh, the dog in the book, like survived by itself and he like ran across it and it, it like, they don't, they're never friends. Like Wilson. That's exactly like Wilson. Wilson yeah. washed ashore. So they kind of just found each other yeah. in this. Yeah. And it, and it's like, it's really, it's really sad in the book because in the book, he's so desperate for companionship. And, and there's like this back and forth where he's trying to like get the dog to come closer to the house, but the dog doesn't trust him. Um, and then, you know, does the dog die? Yes. And it's very <laughs> sad because it's like this relationship that never quite got off the ground it's it's very the book is grim it's a very grim book and the and the the dog is one of like like this movie is one of the more grim parts of it well and i remember before we watched this movie miriam when you were coming into this you you started off going i know something happens to the dog yeah so i mean what's that like watching it where i mean i think anybody watching this for the first time knows something's gonna happen to this dog but what's that like is this the moment where it runs in the darkness it's gonna die is this the moment is this the moment like what was that experience like exactly how you just said it (laughs) all right let's move on um i mean great interview (laughs) keep it in keep it in no cuts no cuts authenticity listen my job is also interviewer i'm just trying to get you to the point where you need to be so 
<laughs> you got stung by a bee in the mouth for the first time today. So what's what's that like? I mean, is it pointy? Is it? Does it feel like you got stung in the mouth? Or uh... <laughs> he knows he gets stung in the mouth. It's gonna hurt. You know what? We're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna host one of these shows, and I won't be here, and it'll be the three of y'all, and see how you do. See how you do without my guidance. <laughs> We love you, Max. You're all going to be stung in the mouth. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to cut that out. Married. You're all going to be... What, you mean when you threatened us with abuse? <laughs> yeah. I can take that up. Back to this question. Miriam, what was it like experiencing that? And let me tell you what you felt. <laughs> <laughs> let me describe exactly how you should have felt. All right, go for it. But yeah, I do remember you know, 13 years ago when this came out that everyone was just like, oh, the dog. So that's the only information I had about this film. And yeah, so at every turn I was thinking, is this the moment? When is it going to happen? I really didn't think it was going to be some vampire Doberman Pinchers coming at it, but yeah, some like weird hairless dogs. But yeah, but it was was protecting its master. I mean, Samantha. Yeah. Anyway, because not only could these primitive human creatures figure out how to do all these things, they also a figured out how to like wrangle dogs that are also attacking and train them to attack when they tell them to attack and nope don't touch that because it's gonna burn your little fingies if you touch the light and then the dogs knew exactly because any normal dog hits that light that that's beam of light and they burn themselves they'll retreat they won't just wait on the other side to burst forth uh unless they're trained to do so and so so many flaws so many fucking flaws at the end of this movie what did you think about the relationship? I thought it was really nice. You know, you gotta have a companion. <laughs> like, I, I I think it could have been sexier. Could have been a sexier. Do you feel like your relationship with your two cats is similar <laughs> to Will Smith's relationship with his dog? Well, to me, I'm fucking my cats for weeks. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about this really sweet relationship, and we're just no. But overall, though, I think if we can relate to our own times during the coronavirus, Dio, you have your two cats that you're having sex with. Uh... <laughs> Don't say that. I know you're not gonna edit that part out, right? <laughs> <laughs> And this is why I, I'm not going to share this podcast. <laughs> Ouch, dude. I hope you share it. Please. Of course I'm going to Okay. Of course I'm but and I for, don't care if people know I fuck my cats. But <laughs> but for Miriam, Juliet, and I, we have our dog, Reggie, that's been our companion during this as well. And I think that's what really – there's something really special about a pet and a companion yes. like that that is just there to listen to you. And isn't really like there to talk. And I think that's what was so awesome in that movie is felt like that was our dog as well. You yeah. Know, when we're watching that movie. And and, I, well, you connect with all dogs when you're watching them on TV. That's the whole point of putting a dog in a. Except for the Homer movie. Bound. I was I was hoping they all died. Oh, please. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
if they don't? Which yes. version are you watching? Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I, I really think that is the shining part about this movie and the most I remember about it. I feel like there's times when I'm home alone with our dog that I feel like I think about this movie every now and then. Or that makes <laughs> Because like, I leave you for an hour and you think you're going to starve? When you leave <laughs> for the grocery store, I'm like... There's no Pringles. I look at our dog and I go, Reggie, this is it. Just you and me. I'm going to go put on some Bob Marley now. Lock up all the windows. We're going to sleep in the bathtub tonight, girl. I thought you were going to be like, Reggie, it's just you and me. I'm going to take you to the basement and slowly strangle you while crying. There's no basements in Austin. That's the dark This got out of hand. I think this is the best part about the movie. And the worst part about the movie is watching the dog die. And Will Smith kills it in this scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> I, uh, I made eye contact with Miriam when I said that. And her eyes opened up like... And she's drooling because her bug bite is getting Her so eyes hot. opened up and it was like two bee stings to the... <laughs> two bee stings to the mouth. Oh. A couple fun facts, though, about Will Smith and this dog that I think it's it's pretty cute. Okay. Um, first off, the dog's real name is Abby. And the animal trainer for the film, so the guy that was like signed on to pick out the dog for the movie and train mm-hmm. it for this role um, discovered Abby in a kennel a few weeks before actual filming Aww. and he showed it to the producers and said I think this dog is perfect for the role and they agreed and I think Abby has the perfect look for this a German Shepherd where it's like can hold yeah. its own hunting how and interesting that the dog was trained that well so, to be in a movie. Yeah, I don't have how many days, but it, the the stat I got was a few weeks before filming. Rescued oh, from a kennel. What's this animal trainer's name? <laughs> yes. So I have Caesar a, Milan. Yeah. So I have a Reggie's really So bad. not only when I read that, I was very impressed that this dog like who takes on a co-starring role in the movie. Yeah. Was trained in just a few weeks. Um, this dog is the Tommy Lee Jones of this. To movie. follow up with that, <laughs> Will Smith, because he's very, you know, method, uh, went on a lot of play dates with Abby before Aww. filming to Aww. really create a bond. Living the dream. Will Smith enjoyed filming with Abby so much. He adopted he her, did, didn't he? Hang on, he tried to oh, adopt what? Abby. <laughs> But the trainer could not actually be persuaded to give up oh. Abby. So the trainer held on to Abby, but wow. Will Smith. This is the sweetest podcast we've ever done about murdering dogs. <laughs> um, when I read more about that, it's that like Will Smith actually created a real bond with Abby, who plays Sam, the German shepherd in the movie. Um, that it was like as endearing that they'd have play dates on the side. And this dog got trained with weeks left. That's uh, cool. Into filming. And Will Smith, the trainer, just wanted to keep the dog. And it's Will Smith's like, come on, dude, I'll adopt the dog. He's like, no, nah, not mine. You should have led the podcast with that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm going to save it for later. Dio's like really emotional right Dio's now. Dio's crying house. like, fuck these cats. <laughs> these cats suck. I mean, I would trade 
two cats. <laughs> I like to Abby. imagine that your cats Unless are just staring at you. Unless you ran into the you. dark again, <laughs> dumb, dumb dog. Anyway, what? Sorry, so stressful. But so I, stressful. I think that read through the movie, though, and that's why we yeah. cared so much when it was time to say goodbye to Sam, the dog, because mm-hmm. it's like their chemistry was pretty remarkable. It felt yeah. like there was a legit co-star I'm in this movie. Sad now. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. All right, so I think we're getting ready to, like, let's wrap this movie up with, like, the ending here. Uh, oh, finally. <laughs> wrap up, which, which we already ending. talked about. We, we've the- already talked about it, but, I mean, the dog dying, we've, we've, we've talked about it. Like, that was, like, kind of our ending, I felt, for the film. But this film just had to have this Hollywood. Um, he found, I guess, a cure at yeah. the very last convenient minute. And yeah. then instead of... Uh, you know, like, and apparently they tracked him back to the house. Which, which the cure uh, that he found wasn't even that, uh, didn't really register at all. It was just like another variation of his blood and something. Like, usually in these movies, when you finally do find the cure, it's because it's like, oh, light bulb, I'm going to try it with this. Like, oh, I tried to combine my blood with now the blood of my dog, which has the new mutated <clears throat> virus in it to create this like it wasn't anything that was light bulb it was just like ah, ah, cured but it's also so strangely like wildly convenient that yes. um so he's rescued by anna and ethan like i guess two other survivors uh which we can talk about a From little Brazil. bit of a, just wait i've been alone for three years you're alive <laughs> and then all of a sudden he goes there's no way other people are alive i'm like well you're talking to two people yeah. that are alive right now so i mean there's definitely <laughs> yeah. a way Clear, clearly yes it's it's okay but maybe bro. he doesn't know because is he really a scientist to... that's what I but know, he's but been the... talking to fred and the other mannequins for so long almost thinking they're real and then they're starting to seem real to him to the point where maybe he thinks these are more mannequins and now i've really yeah. gone off the deep end now the... that i've lost my best friend the the dog Sam, but none of the, maybe this is a really good movie all the way through, and we just don't know it. None of the mannequins rescued him from his demise and brought him back home, though. So I mean, they're definitely we don't alive. know that. And also cooked all his supplies. That bacon, he was fucking yeah, they saving cooked it. all of his food. <laughs> but anyways, so like it's funny though because they have their whole speech. There's a colony in New Hampshire, right? Vermont. Or Vermont. <laughs> Close, Close enough. enough. Close enough. Whatever. <laughs> same state. They should just combine Not the same state. New Vermont. You know, <laughs> just combine them. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, wait, they followed you here? Then they're under siege. They're under attack. He's pulling out guns out of umbrellas. He's, he, he, and so he did this cool, like, UV light thing, and they just immediately ran through it, which yeah, would have de- been cool to see that. None of he his did security this, he, like, he blew works. things up. Nope, they ran through that again. It would have been really cool to see those things actually work once, and then see them fail yeah. this time. Uh, but we don't have time. And the movie was, like, clearly wrapping itself out, you know? Yeah, it, it rushes towards the end. It's yeah. like a full sprint. <laughs> it reminds me more of, like, the giant action scene at the end of a Marvel Marvel movie or something. So this lip the is, getting is getting out of control. Bigger. My, yeah. my, 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 my. So we've got Popeye here. Uh, you lasted most of this podcast before your before, man, really. Your lip is- but it's, what I'm trying to say is this: like, giant, I can't, I can't look at you. 
I'm not looking at you, but I am. I just forget it. I don't even know what I was going to say. No, I just think the whole ending has this really just wildly tone deaf kind of ending where it's just very action based CGI vampires. And there's a huge team. Like a lot of the budget went to making these CG fancy vampires. And it blows my mind because it just fucking makes the movie bad. And it's weird because I think, you know, you could have like a great time like with somebody like on a date. But if you like ruin it with a bad lasting impression, then you don't really look back at the rest of it being great. You know what I mean? Right. And you'd be like, well, the first 45 minutes of this date was awesome. Yeah, (laughs) but you fucked it up with like the last 15. I felt that movie just fucked up the whole thing. Where we ended at the the CG battle with, I guess, the CG antagonist. Where this guy just can handle sunlight and uh, lead a whole horde of these fancy vampires uh, (laughs) over to his house to just kill him. Yeah. Um, Breaking the glass, just really upset. They're so advanced. Wait, I can save you. I can save you. Can you? But again, there's the issue. Like, if they're that advanced, then they would be able to recognize the the why of what they're doing and then recognize the how to get help which is he's presenting it to them like i think there was an alternative entity wasn't there there was there sure was and i so so wait dio you kind of answer that too do you do you want to tell what the alternative ending was I would love to because <laughs> I, I wrote it down course, as well. So I've, I'm of course going to also bring up the ending of the book, but <laughs> we'll start. I'll start with the alternate ending of the movie, which I actually I'm going to go out on a limb. I think is a better ending Ooh, of the movie. I'm well, excited. A lot of people kind of did. But first off, Dio, what did you think about this ending that we had? Oh, this ending is abysmal. <laughs> this this like all the problems when I was watching this movie. Like I I said earlier, I kept getting thrown out of the movie because I kept seeing the words on the page on the script, which is like not something you ever really want. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when you're writing a script, you you don't want it to feel formulaic. And I and I was watching the movie and there were some really great moments. And then there were moments where I'm like, oh, somebody told them they had to write that scene because people weren't going to get it. And like, and I, as I mentioned, it was like the moment where he's like, there's no way they, these people are smart. Like that scene definitely didn't exist in a first draft of the script. Like any smart filmmaker would have left that scene on the floor. That felt like a producer saying, audiences are stupid. And this entire <laughs> ending felt like the producer saying, audiences are stupid. Because like, because first off, it's, this you know they're they're the the alpha is like banging on the glass and and they had this whole moment which i actually kind of enjoyed where the woman was like you have to have faith and you you felt like for the first second that she might be crazy too Mm -hmm. and and he and then he kind of accepts that uh and and uh like it's just like all right you you i'm gonna save you go into this hatch that magically appears in this room. Oh God! And and you'll be fine. And I'm gonna reach into this drawer and stare at a picture, which 
every scene that that where somebody looks at a picture is like the hackiest fucking scene you've ever like <laughs> i've been in screenwriting classes where screenwriters teachers have been telling me don't write that scene so you know <laughs> this was like like remind the audience that he has a family mm. <laughs> and then it's like oh i've this is the drawer where i keep my picture and my <laughs> grenade <laughs> Well, it's just like his convenient guns. Like he, Dude, yeah, that's yeah. Where he, would he need has it. guns everywhere. Of course, he has a grenade with a bunch of like fucking test tubes you, or whatever. And a picture, like, you know, of his family. It's there. Like, like what do you, what do you think? This was is a where I keep my Apple chargers. Was and my the dog grenade. in that picture? Do we remember if the dog was in that picture? I don't think so. Uh, okay, because oh, that would have been like nail in the coffin on this I one. Know. Well, it would have been better if it was just a picture of the dog. that is truly who matters but so and then so he picks up this grenade which also it's like the most powerful grenade you've ever fucking seen and he like times it a nuclear bomb it it explodes (laughs) like it it, it completely incinerates everything but the room that that woman was in with with wyatt langmore and not to get like too crazy about this but like a grenade doesn't like you would have to have an incendiary grenade to cause that level of destruction, but you wouldn't have that big of an explosion. But I digress. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's completely insane. So he blows him up her, himself up heroically to, after giving the woman uh, the, the blood of the lady vampire he cured. And then the next scene, the ending of the movie is the uh, lady and her kids showing up at like the, the sanctuary up in Vermont and you're like, well, wait a minute. Like homeboy could have just gone there. Also like thousand percent, thousand percent, especially because who knows if this blood that he just extracted is all they need. He finally just figured out a cure after three fucking years. Go with her. Uh, If there's an escape hatch, just let them destroy your lab. Go in the, go in the hatch with (laughs) the grenade. Keep the door open, throw the grenade, yeah. close the hatch. That's all you have to do. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> the thing is like, oh man, he's immune and he's a doctor and he finally is getting some headway on this cure. I'm so glad he blew up. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. legendary. Right. Oh, and then, that, and then the fucking icing on the cake. His legend will persevere. Whatever the fuck she says. Like the hackiest. Hackiest stuff. So what's this alternative ending? How does that go? The alternate ending uh, is, so the alpha male, the alternate ending starts with the alpha male like banging his head on the glass. And when he, as he bangs his head on the glass, it like breaks up into this kind of like butterfly pattern. Did that end up in the regular ending too? It was her tattoo. I can't remember. It was her tattoo. She has a tattoo of a butterfly, and then he goes to a flashback for Willow Smith saying, follow the butterfly. Butterfly. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I forget. Uh, that that's from the regular ending. I forgot about that. That also really stupid. But <laughs> the 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 so the alpha male is like banging on the glass and he's looking at the alpha male and he's realizing that the alpha male is looking at the female vampire. Hmm. And so and he goes, Oh, the alpha male is trying to get the is trying to save the girl. And so he wheels out the girl and the alpha male doesn't kill him. And he kind of gives he apologizes to the vampire and the vampire like calls everyone off and takes the the girl like realizing that, you know, uh, Neville 
like, you know, like it's giving it giving her back and there's some understanding. And then the the best part of the ending is when he realizes that the vampires are smart, you see that like wall of all his test subjects where you realize he is a murderer and the, <laughs> the, the and, and that he is the boogeyman. You know what I mean? Like he he's the monster of these monsters. And that's where the that's where the title of the movie comes from is that he is the legend. He is you know, he is the 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 evil the, the monster monster that's evil, right, and that we just saw the ending of that alpha male story where he saved basically is the girl, uh, and that is like the that but and then the the afterwards because everyone survives in that version, you know Neville goes with the two, uh, you know the, with the other two, and they just drive out of the city, and they don't know whether they're going to survive or not. That's you know, they far just superior. It's way better. <laughs> no, it's absolutely way better. Uh, so I did research as well, like this alternative ending. And one thing uh, I did read that happens though, is that that I just see like this movie would make it really dorky is that when he wheels them out, they rub heads together. And oh then, yeah. And then he like... leads, like lets out like a crying roar. <laughs> and then like tells all the other ones to like leave this man well the, he doesn't it's like they have a connection talk. or something like he no but like he like like grunts like a gorilla i guess or something like that and when yeah. i read that i was like they'd fuck that up too does but, it, it doesn't look bad you can watch the alternate ending you can I see haven't the whole seen it yet actually i know that you exists on like it. selective dvd box sets and stuff and blu-ray and stuff but... yeah it, it's not i watched it again uh, on YouTube and it was like it wasn't I watched it just because I was like why would they cut this because they shot the whole thing and did all, all the CGI like, like it was the ending of the movie for a while and then um, but when I watched it I was like oh yeah they just should have gone with this this was like this makes way more sense but I imagine that the version of the movie with that ending didn't have some of those other scenes where they were like bending over backwards to explain shit that they didn't really need to explain yeah like, and I, it, it seems like generally people that they've tested this on like the alternative ending so it's kind of like just go with that go it, with your consumer you know it really <laughs> is like a superior story of having this twist of he was the he's the evil one to them. So who is the hero? Who is the villain? Are we all villains? Are we all monsters? Because the the story as it stands right now is sort of lightly theological because this Anna girl is that her name the the yeah Anna yeah. and Ethan yeah Anna and Ethan this Anna girl says something about God and God sent us and and God gave us this message and he says there is no God and it's a very like light little point in it but it's a, a very obvious point that they're trying to make and then he finds out why his daughter said follow the butterfly and blah blah, blah. like it, it's not that it's a little too obvious uh slash kind of basic for it to be a theological story i like it so much more that it's a, a good versus evil or evil versus evil or good versus good yeah, yeah. And i mean butterflies are kind of represented you can see a lot of butterflies throughout this movie i guess mm -hmm. like well, it's just a symbol hidden. of rebirth and like a lot of people say that that's the symbol of your past loved one watching over you and i'm kind of cool with that symbol because you know like there's the trans uh 
the transition from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can understand that because obviously these fancy vampires went through a transition and, and <laughs> to he's get trying, <laughs> to get more fancy. For me, though, they put on en- their fancy the ending pants. is just so dumb because then they play back the follow the butter- butterfly from his daughter. Yeah. And it just kind of felt like, what is this, like, slumdog millionaire? Like, everything <laughs> happens for a reason kind of shit. Like, it should just simply be a dude with his dog surviving and trying to find a cure at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I again, like that movie. Again, I think if you watched the or not, if you if you read the book or, or listened to the book, like you would you would appreciate that story more. Because like, yeah, I'm going to check it out. So for I, sure. I, I, I can I uh, do. Would you rather I not spoil it? It's, a, it's not it's worth reading regardless of the ending. But but like the the book no, is also no, to spoil it. Go ahead. Yeah, the original story is called "I Am Legend," and it and the the difference is like I said, the monsters are they're traditional vampires. They're like they're closer to traditional vampires. So they they like they have all the vampire things. Like he hits them with stakes every day. Like when you when you um, when you first are introduced to him, five months his routine involves going into houses and he can just walk up to the vampires because they're in a coma during the day and just stake them hmm. and then, and kill them. And he just kills scores of them. Like he talks about, like he makes 50 stakes and just murders them. And then when every night they show up at his house and he has his house, you know, boarded up and everything, but they talk to him. They like the, the vampires, like one of them is his neighbor and they're, he just calls for him every day. Like Neville come out, Neville. (laughs) And it's really like grim and they fuck with him psychologically. The book is super horny (laughs) because Robert Neville is by himself. And like, he's just like, I need a lady. And like the vampires look are ladies and they look normal. And he's, and they, they try to entice him to come out and murder him basically. Um, Anyway, but the ending, skipping over a bunch, is like there's a new society that comes up and the society comes after him and like put it wants to put him on trial. Uh, but he like he has a there's a friend he has made and they give him a way of killing himself. And his last thought before he kills himself is oh, the reason why they had to put me on trial, the reason why they had to do this for their society is because I am legendary. Like, I am uh, uh, the the boogeyman. Because I, I spent, you, when I first started doing this, I used to stalk them and mm. kill them by the dozens. So they have to get rid of me, you know? So it's, it's a very, it's a little, it's similar to the, what the alternate ending is, but it's a, it's importantly different, like, um, you know, there's a, there's more of a, you know, the life going on kind of situation. Right. Anyway. That's interesting. Um, so I, we have so many different endings for this story and the, the, we ended up with this one for well, Iron just, Legend. Well, I, I just, one quick thing. Uh, the, the last man on earth, the Vincent Price adaptation was written by the original, by Richard Matheson and is hmm. very close to that ending. It's also really fucking goofy because the, the vampires are like closer to vampires. And there's a scene where he's like 
putting garlic up next to this woman's <laughs> face and try and like why are you reacting so they're so like more legit like, vampires really in this yeah, yeah yeah and in the book too it's the same thing it's like he like when i was saying that like, he was trying to figure out how the virus happened or how the bacteria happened he was like why the the big question in the book is like why is it garlic that hurts them why is it steaks that kills them why is it this that does like he's you know, part of the mystery in the book is like, how did how does a vampire virus even work, or how does a vampire plague even work? So, hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of like they almost gave like a weird evolution of vampires, really. Yeah, they like they explain it, and in the in the book, there's two different types of vampires, and that I will then say no more about that. Okay. But like, because um, that's the real them, where the like real the twist Collins comes in. from Twilight. Where they don't eat humans. <laughs> They're nice fam. They're vegetarians and they sparkle. Yeah, where are the Cullens on this uh, evolution? <laughs> so. Well, um, I will. I will say another. Just one more thing. Sorry, not to Bogart, but like the the original story, I Am Legend, is the inspiration for Night of the Living Dead. For like all this zombie fiction, all wow. this post-apocalyptic fiction. Yeah. Like this, that, that Richard Matheson story is is the ur text for a lot of those things like George Romero quoted it as when he was writing Night of the Living Dead like what that was the his take on it so the you know the idea of even the modern conception of zombies you know uh kind of comes from this story and you see that in the in the in the last man on earth the Vincent Price one they're vampires in the Omega Man they're more like zombies or in this weird kind of cult albino people you know um Again, anyway, I'm. No, no, this this is book talk with Dio. Uh, I didn't know. <laughs> did you guys know that you were on my podcast? Actually, um, uh, where where you listen to a book on a podcast and then you talk about it on another podcast. So uh, <laughs> we're basically kind of at the end here. Uh, let's just go around the room. Last thoughts, Miriam, and wh- how many? Um, what should we rate this on? Mannequins. How many mannequins? Ooh. How many mannequins out of five? Five out of five. Five mannequins is the highest. How many mannequins would you give it? And your last thoughts on the film? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it, d- despite it being pretty ridiculous near the end. Solid three out of five mannequins. Nice. I'm uh, gonna give it probably two point five. Um, pretty close to that three, but it did get a little too ridiculous. And now knowing how good the ending could have been. It kind of made me a little angry, um, but I did like the first bit. Um, mm-hmm. I like the dog relationship. I think Will Smith really did the best that he could do. Um, I don't. I I think it was pretty good on his part, and that whole dog story is just fucking lovely. Um, so that that's where my two point five mannequins come from. Uh, I, I would give it the same score. I think 2.5 mannequins because it is half of a good movie. Uh, I am less enchanted with the dog story, but I like, I love that set. We're going to cut you off right there. I know. I know. I'm fucking kicked out of the podcast. All right, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Uh, and and I think if it had the original ending and lost like a few of those flashback moments and a couple other little things, I would give this movie like a four and a half or a five. Like I, I like I, I, I in my head, it's it's almost like watching 
a, mo- a movie where you're like, oh, you could have been so much better and I could see all the parts where you used to be that good. But now you are kind of a Frankenstein monster of of different writers. So Yeah, and I guess um, I'm going to just defend this movie a little bit more. <laughs> I think two and a half is, well, Miriam gave it a three. I just think like that's... Too harsh? It's uh, it's it's fair, but it's also just kind of I serve like two and a halfs and twos for like movies like Grown Ups and uh, you, you know give them like, two and a half. That's what generous. are you talking about? The gem that is Grown oh Ups. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, I just upset everyone. Yeah, so. I'm gonna be very bold and say. I'm giving this four mannequins out of five mannequins. Wow. And I'm going high because. two really big things one i actually think this movie is better than i thought it was going to be and upon rewatching it i still think it's better than what i still remember it being the ending is awful and it's complete garbage but if i just grade something on how it ends i just think it's not fair so that's definitely why it's not like a five but i think for what the movie really was and what they're trying to achieve and being a will smith blockbuster movie i think that this movie started off amazing and i think it was actually way better than i was anticipating and the relationship with the dog the lack of score the cinematography the pacing i think a lot is working and this is a really successful movie overall so i definitely say i am higher on this movie because what else are you expecting when you watch this i think it delivered for the most part what it is I'm going to just give it a four because you guys are so damn harsh. So I'm just, uh, I think that there's some really great stuff at the beginning of this movie. And I think it was very rewatchable. I was still feeling intense, uh, when he gets caught in the trap and, uh, for the, I was fearing for the dog and I've, I still experienced all these emotions. And I think that's still something to note that, that worked for me upon a second watch 13 years mm-hmm. later. In Max's defense, when he likes a movie, he gives it like a seven out of five. So <laughs> this this tracks. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Dio, this was a lot of fun. You are a legend. Uh, Aww. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Uh, thank you for uh, everyone yeah. that was listening uh, for the issues with Miriam getting stung by a bee. <laughs> Uh, thank you for being a part of that journey with us. That was definitely a story that we will tell our grandchildren. Uh, Wait, did you just thank me for Miriam getting stuck? <laughs> I said thank you for joining. Then I thanked everyone else for listening. For being a part of the and journey. Then I was going to go ahead and thank Miriam and Juliet, all that crap. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Miriam. Yes. Thank you for doing this podcast with an injury. You're you welcome. <laughs> MVP. He is a real legend. Yeah, yes. you are a legend. But no, Miriam, seriously, thank you. I hope the beast thing's okay. I hope everyone can understand me with a fat lip. Uh, and Juliet, thank you as always for being with me. You are my yeah. legend. Aww. Aww. Thank you, everyone else, for listening. Uh, yeah, like our show, subscribe, five stars. I can't wait to film you in again. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the...